Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Scott Greenberg from Starstock, co-founder. Looking forward to hearing his story, including what he thinks is special about Starstock. Star I have noticed and with interest and been involved, but, but I have other sponsors. And actually, Starstock is a sponsor of some, or has uh, had advertising on many of the other excellent podcasts. But I'm kind of stuck with my excellent sponsors, which is Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, as well as Heritage Auctions and Huggins and Scott Auctions. So kind of different categories of uh, uh, players in the industry. Starstock is a newcomer, but with uh, some level of fanfare. So Scott, welcome to the show. Tell us your personal story and how how this uh, star stock came about and what you're excited about. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah. So, so my story in, in sports cards, I grew up a, a pretty big collector. You know, my, my father was a big collector. So my brother and I picked, picked up uh, that at a pretty early age. For me, I was, I was really going after early 2000s basketball, big Carmelo Anthony fan. I grew up a, a diehard Syracuse fan. So he was kind of my guy that I was going after. I think like, like a lot of people at a similar timeline got to the end of middle school, high school, and really stopped collecting. For a little while and didn't get back into it about a year, a year and a half ago. And so, you know, I got back into it and really, you know, just couldn't believe that the market shifted. A lot of the market shifted over from like a collector's focused market to investors and, and like prospecting. And so that was, was something that was really intriguing to me. I've always been a big fantasy football player, fantasy basketball as well. And since I'm a big college fan, I've always loved prospecting athletes when they come to the draft. And so that's what really got me back into sports cards. When I got back in, did a majority of my purchasing on eBay and was just frustrated by the, the same like few things, which was the inability to buy at scale, the inability to like instantly trade, having to wait for shipping, and then the super high fees. And so Starstock came together. It was pretty crazy how it all happened. But, you know, I built a, a good relationship with, with Nigel, who's one of our two other co-founders for the past few years or so. And him and I would always meet frequently and just kind of talk about different ideas, sports Concepts were always like popular ideas that would pop into our head when we were grabbing lunch. And, and Mike, Mike Cuchera, who's our third co-founder, he was going to join us but couldn't make it. He got back into sports cards at a pretty similar time. And so Nigel was hearing about sports cards from both Mike and I. And his kind of background, obviously, in fantasy sports and sports betting as well, he's always kind of tried to think of a way to create that athlete stock market feel. And Mike and I, on, on both sides, were, were frequently talking to him about sports cards. And so the three of us got together for lunch one day and kind of talked through all of the issues that we saw with some of the current marketplaces out there. And that's how we came up for, for the concept of Starstock. And really, we wanted to focus on three things. We wanted to enable people to buy at scale. You know, if you wanted to make a 1,000-card purchase of a player, we wanted to make that really easy. And the second thing was we wanted to give people the ability to instantly trade these players. And so it was just so frustrating coming from someone that, played, you know, fantasy football where you can set your lineup 30 seconds before kickoff, or if you wanted to like place a sports bet, you can do it almost instantaneously. The non-instant aspect of sports cards was always frustrating to me. I hated waiting a week or two in mail for my cards and, and often something goes wrong. You know, I had one card I bought off eBay a couple months ago, it took three or four months to get to me. And so that was the second thing that we really wanted to focus on was allowing people to instantly trade players. And then the third thing was the fees. And so at Starstock, we offer a, a 5% um, transaction fee to the sellers. Um, rather than some of the more, I guess, expensive markets out there. And so those were really the three focus of, the focuses of Starstock, and those really remain our, our three biggest focuses today. Well, let me congratulate you, because I think that's, that's exactly what I've gained from looking at your site. Your, your objectives are loud and clear, and, and, and very clear, very clearly stated, and they, they, they're trying to 
resolve things in the hobby that are that, that somebody needs to do something about that. I think that there's opportunities there. What I want to get at today, Scott, is uh, it seemed that there was a lot. I, I want to get away from you know what's on the website. What it seemed like you had a lot of uh, deliberation or preparation because I was hearing about Star, uh, Star Stock before it came. Well, is that uh, an attention to detail or uh, uh, fact finding or gathering? I mean, it seemed like you weren't. I was hearing about it, and then you kind of. We're not, you know, some entrepreneurs just get it out there with a minimally viable product, but it sounded like you, you all thought about it a lot. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, we got the got the product out to market pretty fast from when we started building it. Actually, you know, we I, I think there there was, you know, we did do some, I guess, small like podcast advertising and, and things like that before we launched in order to help us to build liquidity. And so, you know, first is we wanted to make sure that we were on the right path. And actually, a lot of the initial concept that we came up with last summer, we threw out while we were building out the product, just from speaking to people within the hobby. We even did a like a beta, uh, a beta run for about three or four months where we were doing card breaks and we were testing out like just different concepts and things like that. And so, you know, we, we really wanted to make sure we were on the right path. We wanted to make sure that when we launched, we'd have product market fit. And so that's why there was a little bit of a buzz. We still pushed out a, a very minimal product. The first week or two was, you know, a beta. The first first couple of days of our beta, you know, it, it was not that easy to buy a card. You know, we have unbelievable engineers. We we're able to work through that really fast. And, and we're just uh, iterating and adding on to our product every day. And so we're still nowhere near where we want to be, but, but we're getting closer. And so we didn't necessarily hold off, you know, to, to get like a, a perfect looking product. We just wanted to get something that would work well and that really, you know, hit home on, on those three things that we wanted to highlight. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm, my hat's off to you for uh, putting something out there that, that works. It, doing uh, programming and, and getting everything squared away for sports cards is not trivial. It's one of the most difficult verticals with so many SKUs and all these different things. And I, it's, I've, I've observed with interest. But would you mind if I kind of gave you three things I liked and three things I didn't like about StarStock? Absolutely. would love that. Okay. First, I really like the low fees. That's the first thing I like about it. I think 5% is... Is uh, sounds terrific, but the first thing I don't like is I'm scared your fees are too low. I don't know how you're going to make money. It's you're you're competing against some established players that have much higher fees, and so that that sounds like a good thing. But I'm concerned that you're that you're going to make enough money. I don't usually worry about that with most entrepreneurs, but but I mean you're, I think you're you're in New York, which is heavily you know taxed and 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 all that stuff. So are your projections that you're going to make it up on volume? Because it seems like at 5%, there's just not, uh, there's a lot of fixed cost in establishing the platform and promoting the platform. So is 5% a real number or is that a lost leader for you at this point? 5% is a real number. And so we actually don't need to charge sales tax on on, uh, any of our purchases or on any sales on our site until they are shipped out. The reason being is that our our card vault is in New Hampshire, which is a sales tax-free state. And so you know, really what we found so far is that about 95% or more, depending on the week of our purchases are not shipped out. And so they stay inside the vault, the cards stay on the market. And so as a result, we think we're going to have a lot of trade velocity on the site. And and really the goal is on, you know, a given Sunday when, when the football season kicks back up, you know, some of the more popular quarterbacks yeah. might flip three, four or five times in a given day. You know, we'd love to see someone buy a card a few minutes before the, the game kicks off. The quarterback throws a couple of touchdowns in the first quarter. They're already flipping that card, and and so we think that we'll be able to make it up on the trade velocity that we see. Okay, that addresses my first thing I like and first thing I'm concerned about. The second thing I like is the fact that you don't have to have graded cards to participate. They can be ungraded, 
But the second thing I don't like is that you're kind of setting yourself as a, up as a, as a quasi grader with three categories that the cards will fall in it. I've always thought that was trickier. It took us a long time to get a, a grading company established that would be trusted. Are you, again, the positive is you can accept all these cards. The negative is you're liable to have disputes about condition. Do you see my concerns as being uh, overblown or are you, because I think it's a good idea to have more than just graded cards there, but. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. You know, we are by no means grading company. I want to make that really clear. We are not grading cards. What we are doing is we're categorizing raw cards. And so if you want to get your cards graded, you should take them to Beckett, you should take them to PSA or one of the other, you know, graders that do that. For us, though, you know, going back to my experience buying cards on, on eBay, one of the things that really crushed me when I got started, got back into it, and I think a lot of people experience something similar, is you buy a card, you, you, you look at the photos, it looks like the card, you know, is in good condition, and then they show up in the mail a, a week or two later, and the card is, is not what it was described as. And that was something that really bothered me in this hobby. And so what we do is we basically take a look at these cards anyway while we're processing through them. And we just group them into three different categories. And so a star stock A, in our opinion, is uh, a mint card or a near mint card. Got, and I mean, so these are. I can get that from your website. And I, my question is, there's A minuses and B pluses. I mean, it's the same thing. I, I just, I'm just wondering if you've had uh, pushback or affirmation in that. I mean, I, I know what the buckets are, but I'm just, it's, it's tricky. That's all I'm saying. And as you get to scale, it's, it's, it's something that's, that's it's, it's very subjective. But let, let me go to my third thing. My third thing that I like is that you have chosen, for the most part, the highest velocity cards. And that, that, that's wise. Well, what I also don't like is you know, that leaves a lot of cards out that also have high velocity, but are not necessarily rookie cards or first cards. And um, so I'm just wondering, you know, you're, you're, how true do you want to stay to that only the rookie cards or only the highest velocity cards? Is, is that your niche or will, will that be broadened? I, I think over time it might be broadened. I think right now it's allowing us to really focus on the cards that we've identified will we'll sell the best on our platform. And the other thing is we wanted to keep the product really simple, or at least to start out really simple. And so if, if someone's just getting back into the hobby, like a lot of people are right now, and they know that you know a, a given rookie basketball player is undervalued, we want to enable it so they can come onto our site and, and they only see a few different brands. They're only going to see for that basketball card, that basketball player, Prism, Optic Select, Don Russ, and NBA Hoops. And, and while we cover all the parallels and we have the base cards and autos, all that, we wanted to keep it uh, pretty focused on the brands that we accept rather than just having, you know, 20, 20 different brands for, for each player. I think over time, as, you know, we, we iterate our product and just make the whole entire process of going through our market a, a lot more efficient, I can see us adding more cards in the future. But that was kind of the, the idea around choosing some of the more standardized, more popular sets for, for you know, for each sport. Uh, one last comment that I've got one question, one last question for you. But first of all, you know, basically this, this whole uh, idea of the not hobby 2.0, but the hobby that you've come back into is at the same time more complicated than it was, but actually simplifiable more so now, I think, because there are a, a, a short list of cards and players that people are very aggressively going after. So I, I think that's what you're trying to do. And, and, and I applaud that. Last question, though. Any regrets? that in the your favorite player happens to be not even close to being the most popular player in his draft class. <laughs> Any regrets? Or how long did it take you to figure out that you that your your loyalties to, to Syracuse perhaps cost you some money? Well, so it's interesting you say that. So the one thing I like about it is 
he's probably the third most popular in his draft. Exactly. Um, and so I'm kind of happy with everybody going after the LeBron and, and the D Wade cards, and it just yeah. it leaves the it leaves the Carmelo market to me. And yeah. so from that perspective, I like it. The other thing that that's funny as well is since I was going after you know Melo cards as, as you know when I, when I was younger, as a result, I I just opened up so many you know tops 2003 2004 sets. And so when I was going back through my old cards, I actually found a few really really nice LeBrons, not in great condition, but but I you know LeBrons nonetheless. And so I was more so going after Carmelo, but since they were in the same set, I, I did score on a, on a few of those cards. So I'm not too against it. I, I kind of like having one of the more underrated guys in the class. Well, I like ending on a positive note. So there you have it. You know, sometimes if you're chasing your favorite guy and he happens to be in the same set with another guy that's uh, <laughs> actually the goat, you know, so there's so happy for you, Scott, that you happen to have a few LeBrons tucked in your old shoeboxes. So thanks, uh, Scott, for uh, sharing your story with us. Thanks, listeners, for listening. I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode.